0: All this nonsense all this spin they can't handle the truth war room battleground here's your host stephen k bannon it's monday 12 september the year of our lord 2022 we're what 57 days out from the most important midterm election in the history of our nation or at least since uh the early uh years of the civil war in 1862. We've got uh, a couple of very intense, heavy hitters to start the show off. Ed Martin from the Eagle Council and John Tamney, the editor of Real Clear Markets. John will be in a moment, walking us through that Biden-Harris economic plan they published as such fanfare last week. We're going to ask John to give us the Real Clear Markets analysis. That. I want to start with Ed Martin, the Eagle. Ed, so over the last couple of days, two things have happened. You've had Biden gives the uh, red the red uh, scare speech, the red demon speech to to basically defile Independence Hall. Uh, You then had, um, uh, you know, yesterday they defiled ground zero by, you know, Hillary Clinton, Warner, Mayorkas, Kamala Harris and Biden, either giving speeches. At uh at Ground Zero or at the Pentagon or interviews where they basically said, hey, terror, radical jihad is not a problem. The big problem is domestic terrorism. Uh, and then but counter to that, the populist takeover in Canada, yeah, uh, throughout the uh, the milquetoast conservatives, we have a sweeping, massive tectonic plate shift victory, uh, with the Swedish Democrats in uh in Sweden, the most liberal and progressive of all. In fact, they threw Greta Thunberg. And at the last second to fight, quote unquote, racism and fascism, she got blown up. And of course, they stopped the polling two weeks ago before Italy. The last poll shows Georgia Maloney uh, surging and pulling together a right wing uh, uh, coalition with Salvini and others that could get over 50 percent of the vote. Walk us through what has happened, yeah. both uh, for the forces of dark and the forces of light. Ed Martin.
1: Well, look, Steve, what we're seeing, and and you can feel it in this country, is that the people, we the people, know what's at stake. You can feel it moving. That's why you see uh, Biden get more and more panicked. He goes up there. And by the way, let me me tell you the one thing I don't think people talk about enough. For a certain age, and Steve, I know you're that age, I am, there was a book, Clear and Present Danger. Clancy used it as a way to signal we had to fight against the Soviets. It was down at the 80s. And what, what Biden said is, we the people... He looked at us and said, you the people are a clear and present danger, which means he can limit the constitutional protections because we're a danger to him. We feel that, right? And we're surging. And you know what I would tell people is, what happened in Canada? The Conservatives in Canada, the guy that, that's winning is a old-fashioned, about 45 years old, came from nothing, married a minority. He's a fighter. He's a street fighter. And the people are drawn to him. The Canadian Conservatives, amazingly, and he fought the COVID stuff. He's surging, as you pointed out. Same thing in Sweden. In Sweden, the regular people—it's going to sound familiar, Steve—the regular people are sick of a government that puts so Solar power over our family's pocketbook and in, in Sweden the they they call them the social Democrats they were in charge they had windmills they had the, the all the crazy uh, solar pushes regular people said we'll take the Swedish Democrats that's the conservative wing and they're, they're surging in so much so the guy that's winning in Sweden the, the leader there was actually he was re- fairly clearly uh, anti-immigrant you know he want to hold all immigration and he's kind of basically said yeah that's who I am and he's surging Here's the trick box, Steve. The world is seeing the populist movement, we the people surging. In America, they're doing everything they can to tamp us down. They're knocking J6 families off of the fundraising platforms. They're trying to take away, scare you from the polls. The only thing that works is a massive surge to the polls. If we don't do it, if we say, well, either we're winning already, we're going to be stuck with a, a Paul Ryan, Pelosi kind of future, and we've got to fight through it. So. The world is giving us a a playbook or at least showing us what can happen. As you point out, even in Italy, they're surging and they had to slow it down. So it's all good, except we still got 57 days and we got to get every single person to the poll and motivated and focused and get it done.
0: Is what connects the dots here is loss of sovereignty, because really the trucker convoy, we had uh, people on from Canada this morning said, hey, that was really what brought up to the Canadian people. Something was deeply wrong with not just how Trude- what Trudeau is doing but that the conservatives have really become controlled opposition the same thing in in, in Sweden where they've been saying hey we tried this mass immigration policy the, uh, it didn't work it's been 15 years now we got mass rapes no go zones and nobody wants to talk about it we're finally going to talk about it put it on the essentially the ballot and people responded particularly even in the urban areas among some of the elites people are going in behind closed doors and voting for the Swedish Democrats. And of course, Maloney's been saying for a while from Italy, we've lost our sovereignty, not just to Davos, but we've lost it to the international capital markets and we've lost it to uh, we've lost it to Brussels. So is that is that is that the connective tissue here? The, the loss of sovereignty and the populist movement stands for getting our sovereignty back? I
1: I think it is, uh, Steve, and the the only uh, one of the only upsides of COVID was it laid bare the grab against we the people across the world, right? You saw the connected. The World Health Organization is going to define for us what the virus is. It's going to define for us. It's going to have our leaders lying like Fauci to play the game at the at the top level. So I think that you're seeing it's a sovereignty thing, but everything comes back to home. If you, regular Americans, feel like we're losing control of our whole nation so that you know you and i know it's sovereignty most people know it's like what's happening here and and they're looking up and they're seeing the old man yelling at them from independence hall saying you know you can't be like this you're like wait what am i trying to do all all i want to do is have my family succeed my neighbors you know flourish and so i i think that's the common denominator but you know steve again in the world, in history of these movements, and we've talked about it off the air as well as on the air, you get a mass movement going and you got to follow the right leaders. You get distracted by the shiny objects and you say, oh, what I really want to do is make a stand over here. In this nation, the way you do it is win at the polls. You throw out the school boards. You know, Steve Maxwell's been on that's doing that and all these guys. You get down and you you win the House and Senate and demand accountability. You won't get anything back by yelling at the World Health Organization on Facebook or Twitter. You do it by getting the polls. And you know, Steve, again, I I watch this stuff so close and we work so hard at it. If we get uh, just a couple percentage points of our people being lazy or staying home, we'll lose, right? We we can't cheat as well as they can. We got to get everybody out and and push hard. So I think it's sovereignty, but also think for now, people got to get close to home. They got to want it for themselves and their family. You got to be... uh, It's the wrong phrase, but be greedy for America right now. And that means we got to turn out um, in November. We got to get the votes out.
0: There there is no substitute for victory. People ask me, how do you stop this? Win at the polls. Give a shattering blow to the Democrats at the ballot box. Real quick, what is Eagle Council doing uh, about this? What would Phyllis Schlafly have us do right (laughs) now?
1: Yeah, well, Phyllis, first of all, Eagle Council, if you go to EagleCouncil.com, we're out in St. Louis. It's a group of uh, key leaders, key grassroots folks, EagleCouncil.com. Go there. Bannon's coming. Navarro's coming. we got Jay Ashcroft, the young uh, Missouri Secretary of State. We'll do some celebrating but mostly going forward. Look, Phyllis Schlafly did just what you said, Steve. It's not interesting to be right, to be sincere. None of that matters unless you succeed. So get your gear together, figure out how you can make a difference. You know, General Flynn was on the on your show last week announcing. I heard from people all over the country. They said General Flynn is going to work a poll in Sarasota, I think, down in Florida. So figure out where you can make a difference. And what Phyllis would say is, be right, be sincere, be smart, but then go succeed. And that's the polling places. You go to EagleCouncil.com. We do some training, some solidarity, some fortification, but mostly we look out a few, you know, six weeks, seven weeks to where to win. Then we can do a lot more work. We got to work with a new house, new Senate, new school boards. But EagleCouncil.com, Steve. Okay. We, we'd got, love to we, have we
0: come. we've got about fifty. We've got about fifty tickets for this. Uh, t- talk about yep. the event quickly on Saturday. We Saturday. want to pack the house and actually yep. add more tables. Where do yep. people Saturday- go?
1: EagleCouncil.com Saturday night, we got Bannon, uh, uh, we got Peter Navarro, a bunch of other folks Uh, go to EagleCouncil.com right at the airport Marriott in St. Louis. It's modestly priced, $50 to come for the event, a VIP event beforehand. So EagleCouncil.com Saturday, September 17th, by the way, anniversary of the constitution. We'll have some of the families of the January 6th prisoners. And we'll be talking about that too, because that's a, that's one of the great affronts of this time also.
0: Uh, Ed, real quickly, what's your social media? How do people follow you personally?
1: At Eagle Ed Martin is on Twitter, Facebook. It's uh, Ed Martin Live and over on uh, Gab and all the rest. It's Ed Martin. Just go to Ed Martin. I'm out there on truth also.
0: Ed, thank you for joining us today and teeing this up. Uh, I want to bring in John Tamney from Real Clear Markets. John, you've had the chance to go through the Biden um, the Biden uh, plan, but I want to tie it back to what, uh, what Ed Martin just said. That people in the country understand something is not right. And what they want to do is just get ahead for their family. They, they want to be able not just put food on the table. They want to increase their net worth. They want to they want to get some wealth. Uh, they want to have stay ahead of inflation. How does that for the little guy and for the middle class? What does the Biden Harris plan economic plan? Uh, give them, sir.
2: It doesn't give them much of that at all. As we discussed before the show, the goal is to increase spending, increase the government's footprint. Well, so all that means is that Nancy Pelosi and I would add Mitch McConnell and and some Republicans, too, will control the resources in the economy instead of the free market. Uh, it can't be stressed enough that entrepreneurs can't start businesses. Sm- small businesses can't give, be given flight if government's consuming all the wealth. And so this notion that they're going to help the little guy by putting more control in Washington, it, it's just not a serious way of, of, of explaining an economy, and people will hopefully see
3: right through it.
0: <clears throat> what is what – is, it's all centralized. Everything they're talking about, and, and they've just passed – remember, they passed the American Recovery Act. I think at a $1, million, $1, $1. They then passed this this uh, grab bag infrastructure bill at 1.2 trillion. Then they came in late with the mini build back better at I think 800 billion. So they're up over what? Almost three, over $3 trillion of spending. It's all centralized. And it's all for these sectors that are kind of not just ill-defined, but you really don't, you read their plan. You can't make hide or hair of it. There's a bunch of jargon in there, but you really don't see, where they're going to apply the capital. Am I incorrect there? It's just some centralized, almost like a centralized hedge fund or venture capital fund.
2: Mm-hmm. And really, when has central planning ever worked? Let's talk, this is $3 trillion. What was Bill Clinton's last budget in 19 or in 2000? It was $1.8 trillion. And so just in this, with these, as you point out, just new spending bills, they've eclipsed Clinton spending during that time. Is that going to grow the economy? Does it grow the economy if, if the federal government is the allocator of resources? We know this from the 20th century. There's no mystery here. The more central planning is, the more command and control there is, the less growth, is the less, the less dynamism there is, the fewer new startups. And so, of course, this is going to be a wet blanket on the economy. And, and again, I think voters broadly see through it. They've never voted for big government in this country because, because we descend from people who wanted not security, but opportunity. And so they're not going to go for this.
0: Let, let me ask you, you've got uh, you've got inflation now, uh, you know, at a, at real incomes have dropped, I think, 16 or 17 the, uh, consecutive months under Biden. They just announced the other day that we've had the greatest drop in wealth of Americans. So I think, two point six trillion dollars in in the in the second quarter. Biggest drop ever. That wasn't even including in the real estate. They hadn't marked the market the real estate yet. That was basically just stocks and bonds. How can, when you look at their plan, that they address this twin problems of both inflation and this this continual of just crushing value and really net assets, net worth of the American people, because the American family right now is getting at both ends. Their real incomes are dropping every month. And their net worth is dropping every month. And we haven't even factored in the fact of what's going to happen in this crash of the real estate market is going to come up. So, John Ham, uh, John Tamney, give me your assessment of that.
2: Well, they're not even addressing inflation. And to be fair to the Democrats on this, neither party has addressed inflation all the 21st century. I've known you since I'm trying to think around 2008. And we've been talking about the dollar during all that time. The last two presidents to address the dollar were Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton, a Republican and a Democrat. Let's go back in history. John F. Kennedy had it drummed into his head by his father growing up that you do not leave dollar price stability it's the most important price in the world is the dollar Uh, republicans and democrats ignore it and so in ignoring it they are ignoring inflation if there's inflation and i believe what we're experiencing right now are higher prices born of the lockdowns i think these are the after effects of the hideous lockdowns i don't call this inflation inflation is a devaluation of the currency but neither neither joe biden's not discussing the dollar Republicans refuse to discuss it. It's the most important subject simply because Americans earn dollars. And when the dollar's price is unstable or when it's being devalued, Americans see the value of their work being taken from them by stealth, but it's not stealth. They know it's happening. At some point, some party is going to pick this, this issue back up as Ronald Reagan did back in 1980.
0: Let me ask you, you've got uh, they just put in an emergency measure for forty seven billion dollars uh, in front of uh, Congress for them to address when they come back starting tomorrow. Most of that is spent on more covid relief, uh, more covid research, uh, monkeypox in Ukraine. In addition, we've got the end of the fiscal year that takes place in two weeks. There's no appropriations bill. There's nothing been approved. They're still far from there's no open hearings. They're still far from a deal. We're going to have to continue resolution. We know, and Biden never once addressed this in the plan, but we know if you look at the plan and just add it up, besides all the $3 trillion of kind of off-the-book spending they've gotten approved, we're looking at another $1.5 trillion to $2 trillion deficit, discretionary spending deficit that, we're, that taxes and, and fees don't pay for because that basically pays for transfer payments right now, or even a little underwater for that. So, John, just given the, uh, the, 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 the events we've got, plus the debt ceiling that is coming upon us two weeks after the election, the fiscal, not just the monetary, but the fiscal irresponsibility of this administration and the uniparty, what's your assessment of that?
2: It's dangerous on its face, because as you described, there's a lot of spending on the way. But think about what that signals about the future. Pathogens are a part of life. They will exist as long as mankind exists. Look at the precedent we're setting, that every time some new virus that we logically don't understand at inception starts spreading, that the role is for the federal government to massively expand its footprint and massively expand its power over the individual to do what he or she would like to do. Let's never forget that we, the individuals, are the marketplace. And our freedom is crucial at all times, but it's most crucial when something like a coronavirus is spreading because we learn from our actions how to avoid it, how to get it, if that's our goal, to achieve immunity. There's all sorts of things. How business should operate in this new environment. With government stepping in the way, it's not just consuming precious resources. It is stepping on the marketplace that would lead us most quickly to an answer to society's many vexing questions. And so I think it's much bigger than the spending. We are on a dangerous path. that every time, oh, we have to come up with a cure first before you get your freedom back, some kind of vaccine. This is not, we didn't come here for security. We came here for freedom and we're trampling on the freedom.
0: Let me go back to because to, to, real clear markets, you know, we talk to our audience every day by going there and, and looking at all the links that you put up. If having assessed this Biden plan, which is really not a plan, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, a laundry list of things they've accomplished and other money they want to spend. What would be your counter? Because the Republicans, the, the one thing I noticed in economic policy, besides us hammering on the Fed all day long and talking about dollar price stability the Republicans don't really have, it appears, a coherent response to this Democrats really funding of a super state, right? That is in every aspect of your life and monetized, And they've got this transition to a Green New Deal, but that's kind of ill-defined. What would you think would be at least the framework for a free market capitalist response to what Biden in this uh, in, in really the administrative states putting forward as their plan?
2: Well, how about that they didn't create any of the jobs that they claim they created in, in this, in this, in this booklet they put out? What created the jobs? It was the end of the lockdowns. Let's go back in time to February of 2020. If memory serves, the US economy was booming and stock markets were at an all time high as we priced in the spread of a virus around the world. A month later, 25% of the American people were out of work, not to mention hundreds of millions rushing towards starvation around the world as a consequence of the U.S. taking a break from reality. You think that job creation or jobs are up since we've been given our freedom back? But where was Joe Biden on this issue? Joe Biden was against the end of the lockdowns, was against the return of freedom to the very people who had made the nation in the first place. And so for him to take credit for job creation is awe-inspiring for the the presumptiveness of of it. He had nothing to do with it. And so where's the loud reaction? What's the impact? Where's the impassioned reaction from our side saying that, you know, freedom always works in a natural free world. There's always going to be abundant jobs and corporations and all sorts of things that we love, Uh, but that it did not come from the taking of it back in 2020 and and the taking of it that President Biden supported and, and wants more of.
0: I want to deal with two things before we go. Number one, energy being the heart of this. Remember, under President Trump, the reason we had all-time high stock markets, low inflation, you had uh, blue-collar workers, uh, greater uh, wage increases than white-collar, non-college grads or college grads. One of the reasons he made a centerpiece of his economic plan, not energy independence, but full-spectrum energy dominance, right? Wherever you are, whatever that vector is, full-spectrum energy dominance, did you see anything the Biden plan, particularly on energy, that was more than just a fantasy about the transition to some sort of solar or wind that could be 30, 40, 50, 60 years away or never? That Did you see anything that addressed the energy crisis here in the United States, sir?
2: No, well, of course not. And you know me, my preference is that there be no energy policy at all. I don't see how energy is different from anything else. If people are free, they're going; it's going to show up to them at a, at a good price or a reasonably good price. But with Biden, it's never about less of a plan. It's about more planning. And that's my frustration with this and the blueprint print more broadly. Why is it that every time Democrats in particular want to achieve something, we have to lose more of our freedom? And a perfect example is in the case of energy. It's not a goal to give uh, the people more ways, more freedom to produce or different ways to get freedom, get energy to the marketplace. It's about how we are the problem. It's about how our energy consumption is harming the world. It's it's making the world less of a place, how it's causing the world to be flooded. So in order for the world to be made better, Americans must be impoverished. So no, of course, there was no plan at all. It's just a goal, a stated goal, at least, to take away from those with the least uh, so that the earth can be saved. It's always about enhancing the power of government at the expense of the people. And so it's, it strikes me that it's an easy one to respond to, but I don't see a lot lot of muscular responses. I see a lot of me-tooism from our side saying, oh, no, 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 energy consumption doesn't cause global warming. Well, wait a second. Let's assume for a second it does. In a capitalist system, we would come up with advances to mitigate the effects of it. And I reject the notion altogether. But at some point, Republicans need to stand up for the fact that energy consumption is a market act. Uh, People should be free to engage in market acts.
0: Uh, let's go uh, to to finish i want to go back to dollar price stability and the whole issue of devaluation of currency and our current the politics of money uh for birch gold i've been putting up these this series of uh you know the loss of the being the prime reserve currency the politics of money the 19th century what's your assessment of that give give us a couple of minutes on how do we get to dollar price stability what would be the john tammany take on this
2: I think it's kind of interesting that people forget this, That, and I've talked to you about this because it was a major theme in a book that we both love, Robert Bartley's The Seven Fat Years. Ronald Reagan ran on returning to a gold standard. Now, people can love or hate the gold standard, but his broad point was that a currency that has a commodity backing is a trusted currency. And so it's very simple. We could solve dollar price stability between breakfast and lunch. All you need to do is say that the dollar, that money per Adam Smith, its sole use is to circulate consumable goods. We use money to move wealth around. And so logically, it's stable. And so the goal should be not for the government to control more money, but for government to just define it. If it's going to issue a dollar, it should have stability as a measure. Because in having a stability as a measure, it means the Americans who earn dollars will not consistently see the value of the dollars they earn erode, such that they get less and less in return for their work. And so to me, it's a politically grand thing. It's something that both parties historically have supported this notion that people shouldn't have their wealth taken from them by currency stealth. And you could do it very easily because just as we, do, we define a foot as 12 inches, uh, as uh, an ounce is 16 ounces a pound, you can define the dollar in terms of something real. And the result would be very quick, monstrous economic growth because instead of in, in investing in inflation hedges, Americans would once again start investing in future wealth creation. It would be the greatest job creator in history, the greatest driver of advance in history. And one of these days, one of the political parties is going to embrace it. Bill Clinton did, he succeeded. Ronald Reagan did, he succeeded. George W. Bush rejected dollar price stability, so did Jimmy Carter. They failed. John,
0: how do people get to you? Uh, Real Clear Markets uh, know how to get there. How do the people get to you and follow you?
2: Uh, yeah, you can find me at Real Clear Markets. You can find me at freedomworks.org. Um, I'm still on Twitter at John Tamney. Uh, you can also find me on Amazon. I've got five books out. I've got my sixth coming out that I've told you about. It's titled The Money Confusion. How illiteracy about currencies and inflation sets the stage for the the crypto revolution. And so this is a very short 41,000-word book that explains what money is, why people use it, and hopefully will bring about a better conversation about money that's going to redound to all Americans simply because no one benefits from a currency that is unstable, that's constantly losing value.
0: What, what's 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 the street date? What's the publishing date of of that book?
2: It's October eighteenth.
0: October eighteenth. We're gonna do a big run up uh, to that book. John Tamney, one of the smartest so, guys out you. there, the editor at Real Clear Markets. John, thank you for taking apart uh, the Biden at Harris a plan, central planning to the nth degree. That's why it's such an epic fail. Okay, short commercial break. Right. We're gonna return in the battleground. You've seen the populist revolt in Canada, the populist revolt in Sweden, the populist revolt in Italy. And now you know about the economics and back of it. Short commercial break. We're going to return in the war room in just a moment. That's code War Room at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. War Room Health, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, If you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.
4: War Room Battleground
1: with Stephen K. Bannon.
0: Okay, welcome back. Uh, I want to start with James uh, Roguski. James, thank you for joining us. One of the things I've really admired about you, I call you the uh, all along the watchtower. You are constantly looking out at what's happening out of Geneva, World Health Organization, these others, for all the games they're trying to play. Uh, you've been at the forefront of making sure we got on top of this when they're trying to change regulations they're trying to change rules. Uh, but there's an opening here that you've identified, everybody. We had you on the morning show But I want to finish the day with saying, hey, we got, what, 12 hours left or 13 hours left because I want everybody in the posse that clearly has something to say to have a shot to do it at the time it should be done, that we can obviously collate things later afterwards. But walk people through. What is this? What are these 90-second videos? How important are those? And most importantly, how they get them done.
4: Um, the. Timing is such that um, as we speak right now, it's almost one o'clock, um, 11 a.m. Eastern Time Tuesday is the deadline that translates to 5 p.m. Geneva time. So there's, you know, maybe 19 hours to go. And, and the WHO is accepting that they set up a site on, on their um, page on their website where people can upload or record a video. Please realize that you can pre-record and upload it. A lot of people don't scroll down on their page far enough to be able to do that. But essentially, they have made, in my mind, the mistake of asking the world to let them know what we think. And you can create a 90-second video. The question that they want to have is, you know, what uh, what should the WHO do, you know, internationally to deal with the next pandemic? And quite frankly, that's a trick question wrapped up in a psychological operation they're framing the question they want people to answer a specific question and what i'm reala- what i've realized is that this is just a propaganda tool for the who they're going to believe that you know they can put this out there and and people won't you know have time to know what's going on they'll have all kinds of their own people putting in you know, glowing praises for the WHO and so forth. They're gonna compile them into two, three hour videos. And as of 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, they're gonna shut down their public comment. And I'm saying that's when we're gonna crank it up. Uh, From today, right now on till the end of the month, I'm encouraging everyone to not limit themselves to just 90 seconds like they wanna have, you know, for the remainder of today and tomorrow morning. Take 90 minutes, take as long as you want to express your feelings about the WHO. You can go to screwthewho.com. It'll give you all the information about submitting your video to them or to me and other groups. Um, But you can also go to stopthewho.com to learn what they're up to because they're currently, uh, every member nation is submitting proposals along two tracks. One of the tracks is a new pandemic treaty. And the other track is what they did earlier this year, trying to um, propose amendments to the international health regulations. And frankly, that's the scarier one because they've been very, very silent about that. And that could happen as early as next May. And so this is a chance for people to speak, give public comment in the form of a video if you go to screwthewho.com or if you call me and I'll give my number at the end of when we're talking because people call it immediately and that'll mess up uh, the transmission of what we're doing right now. But I'm, I'm here to answer everybody's questions about the technology and, you know, doing your videos and helping you out. But it's not going to end tomorrow when they say it ends. Yeah. It ends. We say it ends.
0: I just want to make sure you're also tracking those two other items where they're trying to change the regulations, they're trying to change the rules they're trying to, they're trying to concentrate more power to themselves. You're, you're, that's what you're principally on watch. This is a, this is a subset of that,
4: correct? Exactly. Um, on stop the who.com all the information about the quote unquote pandemic treaty, which is one track. The other track are amendments to the international health regulations. Uh, long story short, uh, if the WHO had the power and the legal authority that they wanted, they wouldn't need having these negotiations to change uh, international law along those two yes. tracks. Currently, they operate under Article 23 of their constitution, and they make recommendations. But our government agencies and our people and our media misinterpret the fact that you know, they're just talk. They're just nothing but talk. But if you misinterpret that as an obligation and think that you need to hand over your sovereignty to them yeah. and do what they say, um, it's time to get better information because that is not the current situation.
0: By the way, after we take over the House, there are going to be massive investigations. You'll see uh, James testifying in front, of, in front of Jordan and these guys because people are going to get to the bottom of this, uh, of this whole nonsense of the who can dictate to the United States or work with Fauci and these guys to do it. James, give your number and then one more time, your social media.
4: And this is the time for people to take action. Go to screwthewho.com. All of the details are there and you can call me directly at 310-619-3055. Be happy to help anybody um, understand what in the heck the who is up to.
0: By the way, James is a brave man giving his, uh, giving his number out on the, uh, on the war room. So James, you're a patriot and a hero. Thank you for coming on.
4: Well, since this morning, I've gotten a bunch of phone calls. Um, you know, I got to meet people right around the corner for me in all seriousness, I, where I live, you know, they called just down the street. It's really pretty funny.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. James, thank you so much. Um, thank you. Have a wonderful- we got a couple of disturbing story, a couple of disturbing stories. And then one, Upbeat story of somebody from the precinct. Strays is getting involved, but I got to go to Colin McCloy from National File. Colin, thank you very much for joining us. This is a. a, I'm not sure I totally understand the story because it's so, um, over the top and bizarre. Uh, And I'm Irish, and that's why I I try to follow things that are happening in Ireland. What happened? Is this a teacher because of his? I just want to make sure this is a teacher because of his Christian beliefs, would not call people by their pronouns that his school demanded. And did he actually get put in jail? Is is that is that what your story is?
3: Yes, Steve, you do have that right. Unfortunately, Enoch Burke is a teacher at the Wilsons Hospital School in County Westmeath, Ireland. He was placed on administrative leave first after questioning the school, which is a Christian school, by the way. It's an Anglican school under the Church of Ireland. He questioned the policy where teachers and staff were required to refer to students. By whichever pronoun they prefer and he brought this up at a anniversary meeting the school's been around for over 200 years he brought this up with the principal he objected to it and said that he believes that adhering to the policy of calling students by their preferred pronouns would violate his christian beliefs he was then placed on administrative leave and not only that they filed a court order against him to prevent him from even stepping foot on the property So he continued to do it, arguing that the policy itself violates his religious beliefs, Christian beliefs. And after that, a judge uh, issued a warrant for his arrest. He was taken to a prison in Dublin last Monday, and he's still there. He was in court again today, actually, uh, challenging the legality of the court's policy or the school's policy, excuse me. But that was thrown out by the judge. He's due back in court on Wednesday. And this is a contempt charge. So at any point, he could purge his contempt and say he was wrong, or that's what the, the court and the school wants him to say. They want him to go back on it and say that he would adhere to the policy. He has refused to do that. He is standing up for his beliefs, and he's willing to take some jail time in order to do that.
0: Colin, this, this is what? This is one of the most this is one of the oldest, over 200 years old, revered school in all Ireland, the Anglo. The Church of Ireland, just for our audience, is the equivalent of the Church of England. It's the Episcopal or Anglican Church. This is a revered school in that that religion, in, in, in 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 the kind of official Christian faith. How could they possibly take a faculty member who said, because of my Christian belief, I don't believe in this. How could they put him on administrative leave, much less actually want him, serve him, to make sure he doesn't come back on campus and see this guy go to jail. That's what boggles. Look, the first part's bad enough, but when you describe the whole thing, how can a revered Christian institution be doing this, sir?
3: Well, I think it's just a continuation of something that we're seeing across society where the whole Marxist leftist push um, for all these things like pronouns and whatnot. It's part of a civic religion. It's, basically like a civic orthodoxy and it it affects the Catholic Church, it affects the Anglican Church. Um, you know, we've had bishops and cardinals in the US who have called for the the Catholic Church to amend its beliefs on LBGT teachings and transgender ideology. And it's we, we see it in Western Europe and it's especially pronounced in Ireland where, you know, it's a historically very Catholic country with a high with a high rate of church going families. Um, they were opposed to abortion. They were opposed to gay marriage, and within the past 15 years, much like the U.S., that has completely reversed. And I, I think you know it. Um, it speaks to just how how overwhelming the pressure is to stand up against these things. Not even just in secular society, but we're now starting to see it in religious circles, um, where uh, a s- supposed Christian school will place a teacher on administrative leave for going against or, or just upholding beliefs that are uh, outlined in the Bible. So, it is very disturbing. It shows um just how how relentless it is, but it also uh, it's it's such an intriguing story because Enoch Burke is seemingly really taking a stand here. He could he could just go back on it and this whole thing could end for him today, but he's choosing not to. He's choosing to stand up, and this is really shining a light on how far these policies have gone. I mean, we look at 10 years ago, and Barack Obama was afraid to even, or he wouldn't even publicly back gay marriage. Now you have schools where they not only have preferred pronouns, but administrators will email teachers. Uh, The most recent example of this I saw in Mentor, Ohio, they have a policy. And uh, I know here in the Philadelphia area, I know the Rose Tree Media School District, the Haverford School District have policies like this where if students want to be referred to by a certain pronoun, the schools not only have to adhere to that, but they're not even allowed to tell parents. So it's become such a religion among the left that they believe it's they have a moral obligation to tell these kids what they can do or what they can transition to or refer themselves to regardless of what their parents believe or their parents' religious beliefs.
0: Is this story catching on in Ireland like it is here in the United States? Is he becoming a hero for standing up for this? Or is this just not not in the public mind? Or is it the opposite? Are people saying that this guy's uh, cruel, this guy's a bully?
3: I guess it really depends on who you ask. You know, the, the press has been hitting him pretty hard. The Irish Times and the, the mainstream outlets in Ireland have been against him. It's it's the same as it is here in pretty much the entire West. You know, these outlets are very against this sort of thing, they're very in favor of the new civic religion. So he's been getting ripped apart in the press a fair amount, but there have been protests outside the prison, Mountjoy Prison in Dublin. Um, his brother, Isaac Burke, uh, Enoch Burke represented himself in court today. His brother was co-counsel. Isaac Burke has been pretty vocal in spreading the word about this. It does seem to be catching on. I mean, the longer this goes on, we're going on day seven now. Uh, The court's going to revisit this matter on Wednesday, but it's possible that he could be in there for a long time. He could be in there for weeks, months. Uh, It's however long he chooses to to, uh, refuse to purge his contempt and basically give the school and the courts, what they're looking for here, which he believes violates his religious conviction. So it, it, it seems to be catching on, but um, I mean, the, the queen, the queen well, news cycle is pretty prevalent over there, the whole world right now. So that seems to be well, taking some of the oxygen. Out of it. Well,
0: we're, we're going to be all over. I know national file is how do people get to you? reporting is unbelievable. We love the national file. Tell us how uh, people can track you down and follow the story.
3: We definitely appreciate that, Steve. Um, National File, we are on just about every social media. They banned us from YouTube, but you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Rumble, Instagram, Telegram. And we definitely have a lot of coverage of these types of stories, uh, particularly in the U.S. Um, we have a lot more stories like this regarding the pronoun policies coming out in the next few weeks. It's
0: it's unbelievable. Real quickly, uh, your, uh, your own personal social media, how do people track you down?
3: You can find me at Colin McHugh. I'm on Twitter and Gab for the most part, but yeah, at Colin McHugh.
0: Colin, tell Nolan the guys, great job over there. Fantastic work. National file. Colin McHugh. I want to go to, uh, let me go to a Sloan Rockman. Sloan, uh, this would be no surprise to you and to the moms down there in North Carolina, the Tar Heel State, that are fighting every day. I mean, this story blows people's heads up when we talk about what's happening in Ireland, but you're seeing this up close and personal. Tell us what's going on, particularly PAC money coming in and supporting. This agenda is so radical, so dangerous to our children and to our families. Tell us what's going on in the Tar Heel State.
5: Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. I mean, Colin is a tough act to follow. And I know Noel and all the guys at National File, they do a great job of breaking these stories. But you're right. We uh, this is no surprise to us. We're in this all day and every day at Ed First Alliance. Our pack is dedicated to getting America First candidates elected all up and down the ballot. We know uh, the Senate race is very important here with Ted Budd. So is uh, U.S. House race one in 13. But look, our state house, I mean, we've got to get the supermajority here because we've got one of the most woke uh, governors that you'll ever uh, encounter, and that would be uh, Roy Cooper. So we've got to take care of all that. So we've paid meticulous uh, attention to the special elections that have gone on here in this state and across the country. And we've seen this, Steve, that the Republicans who back away or run away, really. From exposing this perverse dystopian future that the Democrats and the Left have for our children, those candidates lose. That's why we are we need every Republican to seize the agenda and stay on messaging. So all the Republican candidates out there and their campaign surrogates, they need to ask Democrats the following things. Number one, uh, how exactly is it that girls and women benefit from competing against boys? on the athletic teams. Um, Number two, uh, how come it is that girls and women are no longer able to have their own public restroom, showers, or changing rooms? Uh, How about number three? Uh, Explain, please, Democrat candidate, uh, why showing children pornography is going to help the literacy crisis that's plaguing school after school in this country. And finally, Steve, this is something you and I talked about earlier, is how are you, candidate or opponent, how are you going to protect children from the mutilization and sterilization movement brought to us by these uh, child grooming lobbies? And if Republicans can do that, Steve, they're going to win, and they're going to win bigly.
0: Okay, I want to go back. You said child grooming lobbies. Now, that's going to yeah. make people's heads blow. Be specific. What are you talking about? And- It takes a level of courage, ma'am, to stand up and go against this because you're going to be you're going to be thrown at your country club. You are gonna be called, you know, a mean person. But when you say grooming lobbies, what do you mean by that? Because I can see already media matters in in, in going into the uh, going into high overdrive that, you know, we've got another one of these crazy moms on here that are just throwing out, uh, you know, unsupportable uh, vitriol.
5: Well, I'm glad you asked for clarification. This isn't just hyperbole. Let me give you the prime example here in North Carolina. Uh, it's called Equality NC, and it, their pack, okay, it presents, uh, you know, money coming in, et cetera, and they're entitled to do that, and we get it. The real danger here are the lobbyists that they have put in at the state house. They have put a team of lobbyists in in North Carolina, and as you know. Lobbyists have an inordinate amount of budget and time that they can spend with every lawmaker, and they do, hitting them up for things like opposition uh, to safeguards. For instance, one, a, a court case just came up where now in North Carolina, the uh, state employees, all of their sex change operations have to be paid for and their children with our taxpayer dollars. So this is something that Equality NC has lobbied, um, you know, all of our politicians for when they couldn't do that, Steve, they went the judicial route and now they're using the court for activism. Another thing that they've done is worked on our Republicans, uh, the uh, Women in Sports Act that we sought to pass last April. Well, they worked on our uh, our speaker pro-tem, Tim Moore so hard that he even came out and said, yeah, we're not going to protect girls and women from having boys play against them on our sports team because, well, there's not really a problem yet. Well, we know that that's because this powerful lobby has been working these guys over and their staff, don't forget, day after day after day. Now, this Equality NC, let's get back to this ghoulish practice of uh, mutilization and sterilization. Equality NC is going to be... Um, keynoting and helping sponsor a conference i believe it's next month or the month after here at wake forest medical school on wow. such things as how ha- yeah i mean this is a, a venerable organization unbelievable
0: Steve. sloan we, sloan we we got a heart out uh, we're gonna be back at 10 o'clock tomorrow real quickly what's your social media how do people get to your site to find out more about this in the Tar Heel state
5: Funny you should ask, but you told me that it was coming. Facebook is in the process of kicking me off. So you can find me on Twitter for now. It's Slone And at Ed First NC, but our Telegram channel, it is hopping. Education First Alliance, hit us up. You've, we've got to all stand for our children.
0: Sloan Rockman, thank you very much. Tough fight down there in Woke, Carolina, but fight on. See you back here tomorrow morning in the war room at 10 a.m. We will be four hours of fire tomorrow. Join us then.